Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 9, Continuity of Care. So a lot of you will know that much importance is attached to continuity of care from a midwifery perspective. That's because there's a lot of evidence that improves outcomes for women. So there's evidence of less preterm birth, less episiotomy, less baby loss even. And you're much more likely to know and trust the midwife looking after you in labour and therefore less likely to need epidural and other forms of pain relief. So recently there's been a lot of focus on how we might improve continuity of care in the midwifery teams, Um, and this is part of the result of the National Maternity Review that took place in the UK in 2015. Continuity is a difficult one to crack, There's lots of ideas about how you might do it. And I'm not going to focus on that today. What I am going to focus on is what about continuity of care and obstetricians? So because of the focus of continuity in midwifery teams, I've been asked some questions about what about continuity of care with obstetricians? And do I know any obstetricians that are involved in continuity of care or practice in a continuity fashion? And I find it really hard to answer that question because for me, it's almost the other way around. Do I know any obstetricians that don't practice in a continuity of care fashion? One of the joys of being a consultant in the NHS is that most of us stay in the same place for many years. So we get a job in a hospital, it's a permanent position, so unless we choose to leave, you know, perhaps you're relocating your family or you need to move for some reason, you're going to be there until retirement. And although it's a bit more common for consultants to move around than perhaps in years past, most of us don't. Most of us have been in post for quite a long time. So in my department, I've been there as a consultant since 2007, so that's 13 years. And I would say I'm one of the middling consultants. So I've got some younger, newer colleagues, and I've also got some colleagues that have been there for over 20 years. So over that time, you might care for women throughout their family, throughout their reproductive years. You might see a woman through two, three, four pregnancies. And some of them you instantly recognise. It's lovely when you see their name again popping up on your clinic list. 
And you think, wow, you're pregnant again. How lovely to see you. How are you? You get that flash of recognition. And you get to see the other children if they come to appointments. Sometimes women are very apologetic about bringing their young children. They say, oh, I'm so sorry, she's not in nursery today. Or it's half term, they're not in school. But actually, it's lovely to see them. It's lovely to see that family that you've contributed to and that has developed over the years since you first met them. Women like it because they have more confidence. They don't have to repeat themselves again and again. They don't have to retell their story and re-explain what they're worried about and what's important to them. You get to know them. And this can be incredibly satisfying. Some of the most satisfying relationships I've had with parents is actually following pregnancy loss. It's incredibly sad when you pick women up after they've lost their baby and see them in the aftermath of that, see them with results. There may be an explanation as to what happened, there may not. And then to see them pregnant again and accompany them on that journey through that next pregnancy, sometimes called a rainbow pregnancy, can be very rewarding. It's an inevitably anxious time for them and knowing their obstetrician and knowing that you're going to be there for them with whatever query they have and that they can come and see you as much or as little as they want is very beneficial. And then often they may come back again. And just because they've had a good pregnancy, a successful pregnancy in between, doesn't negate that fear of of baby loss from the other pregnancy, the baby that died. So coming back to you again can be very reassuring. Sometimes it's quite difficult because women may become quite attached to you. So they can become a bit dependent. And that's tricky balance because it's important that they are reliant on you and that they have confidence in you and that you know and understand them. But it's also difficult when you know that they may come in in an emergency situation and you may not be there for them. So whilst you need to care for them and develop that confidence in you as a person, you also need to try and develop their confidence in your colleagues. So you have to say, well, I may be there or I may not be, but if you come in, don't worry, there's always a consultant like myself on call. I have lots of very good colleagues and there's a team There are lots of very good registrars who are very caring and will understand. And you can explain that you've written things in their notes, in their maternity handheld notes or on our electronic patient record system to try and convey what are the issues, what are the things people need to be careful about. Sometimes it gets difficult when women want to plan things around you, perhaps plan an induction or plan a caesarean, and that may or may not work. You have to be quite careful to remain professional and make sure that you're not doing something that clinically just doesn't make sense just because you're about to go on holiday and they want you to be there for the birth of their baby. It can make you feel guilty 
if you are going to be away, if for some reason actually it doesn't work out, unless you try and prepare them through pregnancy, that actually it's okay. There's lots of people in this maternity unit just as good as me and just as caring as me that will look after you in my absence. So a relationship can be a very positive thing, but you have to be a little bit careful as well. You start to feel quite protective of women and there's quite a lot of discussion about the language we sometimes use. So we may talk to other members of the team and say, my lady or my woman. And that's not right. They don't belong to us. They're not our possessions. But at the same time, it's part of that caring compassion that you've invested something in that woman, that family. You know them better and you want to do your best for them. So although I know quite a lot of women find that language offensive I understand why it happens it's also good as part of the relationship to have an excellent relationship with community midwives so I have a geographical area my patch as it were that I'm linked to and they will email me about women under their care so we can have discussions and advice back and forth or they'll pop into my office or I'll bump into them and have a chat. Also having a relationship with those midwives means that when the midwife needs to refer the woman into the obstetric clinic, perhaps she was otherwise under midwifery-led care, but now she needs a consultant opinion, they'll be able to say to that woman, oh, I'm going to send you to see Florence And rather than being that scary obstetrician, you're another member of the team that the midwife's mentioned, that the midwife knows and that the the woman can have confidence with. And often the midwives will email me a bit of background saying, there's this woman and this is the context and this is the background and this is why I've asked her to see you and she's coming to your clinic on such and such a day. And that's really helpful so that you're prepared and you already know a little bit about that woman and her context. Sometimes in clinic, someone arrives and says, oh, you were there at the birth of my last baby. And there's always a slight pause, a slight moment when I hesitate and try and gauge, was that a good experience? Was that a bad experience? What do they remember? Is that a good thing? Are they glad to see me again? Or did I do something that's upset them or traumatised them? Unfortunately, most of the time it's, yeah, that's a good thing. And they're happy to see you again because you're part of the memory of that birth of that last baby. And it's reassuring to them that you're still there. They're seeing you again and that they've got confidence in you from their previous experience. But it can be a nervous moment when you're trying to read their face and see what did they think. Sometimes it's quite difficult when a woman comes in and greets you as if you're an old friend and you don't recognise her at all. You can't possibly remember and recognise every single woman you've seen. You will have seen hundreds every year. So in that situation... I try and 
look at the notes, jog my memory, see where my writing is and kind of build a bit of memory from that. It doesn't happen that often, but you feel a little bit sad that she remembers you so much and you don't remember her at all. I've been lucky enough to care for families. So I've had a number of families over the year where sisters are having babies at similar times or over a bunch of years. And that can be really nice. They come and say, oh, you looked after my sister so-and-so. And sometimes the babies will alternate. So you'll have one sister one year, the other sister the next year. Then the first one will be back. Then the second one will be back. And I've had quite a few families like that. And they'll come in and say, you looked after my sister and she had this, that and the other particular problem. I don't know. Low platelets or obstetric cholestasis. And although their pregnancy might be completely different, you'll remember their sister and you'll you'll know exactly who it is or you'll recognise the surname or they may look very similar to their sister. And that's really lovely and you get a bit of news about what's happening with the family. And sometimes the women will say to me, oh, I've been chatting to my sister and we've been wondering what what will you say at this appointment? So that can be, that'd be really nice being like the family obstetrician. So with anyone that you meet, both in your professional life and otherwise, you know, some people you just have a bond with, you just click instantly with. So some women that I might only see once or twice on their journey of maternity care, you just build that familiarity really quickly. You just warm to them and instantly have that sense of rapport and sometimes you don't and that doesn't mean you care any less for those women but for some reason some women just stick in your mind and I think for me it's usually around their stories what they're telling me what's important to them so I have some colleagues who can immediately describe in vivid detail what someone looks like and for me I don't really do that it's about what they've told me what's important to them and I remember one time on labor ward giving a really comprehensive handover about a woman and her background history and the fact that she was coming in that day and all about what was important to her, what are the conversations we'd had in clinic, everything about her context. And so having given that very, very detailed introduction, the woman was then admitted. And the midwife looking after her said to me, Florence, you never mentioned she's got purple hair. And to tell you the truth, I hadn't kind of remembered that because... That wasn't anything that stuck in my mind about this woman. It was all the things she told me and her beliefs about birth and her preferences. Not the colour of her hair, even though that was quite standout characteristic. 
So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because in some ways, maybe if I'm not looking at women's appearance, I'm not necessarily taking in the whole of her. But I find it interesting that I remember people's stories. And when I'm on Labour Ward, I will try and pop in. If I recognise a name on the board, I'll try and stick my head into the room and just say, hello. And I'll do the same on the postnatal ward if I can. And that immediate sense of recognition from that woman and relief at someone they know can be palpable. So you do feel a bit of a sense of protection and responsibility for those women that you've seen. And it's the same when I've been doing a shift on labour ward. I will come back the next time I'm in work to look in the book and see how did things end for them? If I've left them in labour, did they have a vaginal birth? What happened to them next? Because you've invested that time and energy and you know, you got to know that couple, you had a little glimpse into their life and you want to know what's happened and try and see them if you possibly can. It's become harder for our junior doctors to do that because of shift systems. But it's a really important part of learning. It's important because it appreciates the human individualism of the women we care for rather than being a kind of maternity production line. But it's also important to know, okay, we took these actions in this woman's labour and this is what the outcome was. And was that a good or less good thing? The other aspect of continuity is often when you've had a a really trusting relationship and good continuity with a woman, you may get a thank you card. And there's no need for women to thank us. I'm only doing my job. But it means a lot that someone's taken the care to write and tell you what impact you had on their birth or on their pregnancy and how they feel you supported them and it's also lovely sometimes I get starting school photos many years later or the Christmas cards you know the ones that you do in nursery or school with finger paints or a picture that the child's drawn the family Christmas card may be sent to you a few years on and that is absolutely lovely to know women are thinking of you at those major milestones. So now we get to today's zesty bit. So today's zesty bit is a little bit about boundaries, boundaries between the personal and professional When you provide continuity, when you are that key carer for a woman, they've got to tell you everything, everything about themselves, all their thoughts, their worries, their ideas, their wishes. And for the most part, that's got to be one way. You aren't their friend, you're their obstetrician. But there does have to be a little bit of give and take to build that rapport, build that relationship. 
And sometimes it's a little bit tricky to judge when it's professional and when it's not. You need to protect yourself, your personal life, but equally be a human being. So I don't volunteer lots of information about myself. But when someone asks me, have you got children? Or what was your labour like? I do sometimes tell them a little bit just to level with them, feel like this is a relationship. This isn't just a doctor with no sense of their own life and their own humanity. Sometimes little trivial things can help you build a relationship when you've just met someone. I've had women come in and say, oh, we've got the same glasses. Or I've seen someone in my waiting room and noticed they're wearing a t-shirt I've got. So I might say, oh, I've got that t-shirt at home. Or they might talk about something they're interested in. And that might be your common ground. So finding common ground and giving a little bit of your sense of self, a little bit of who you are as a person is okay and actually can be beneficial. But then you do need some boundaries. You do need to keep professional and remember that you can't be objective and take good decisions about their care if you become too much their friend. You've got to be able to retain your perspective. So I don't know where that leaves you, what I'm trying to say. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to keep those boundaries but judge that the boundary can be a little bit fluid. It's not black and white. There can be a bit of grey area where it is okay to volunteer some information about yourself to build that relationship and that rapport and to bring your sense of who you are as a person into that professional space as well as who they are as a person. So that's today's zesty bit. So I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the OBS pod. If you have, do like, subscribe or leave a review And join me again to explore more about the life of an NHS obstetrician. I'm finding it really exciting to have people listening and give me feedback about what they've found interesting. So please do recommend the OBSPOD to other friends, colleagues or people who you think might find it interesting. I'd love it if you'd share with me what you've enjoyed about listening and if you've done anything differently as a result. I can be found on Twitter at FW Maternity and at The Obs Pod. And please do check the MatExp hashtag, hashtag M-A-T-E-X-P and the website matexp.org.uk for more information and ideas on how to improve women's experience of maternity care. Finally, I'd like to reassure you that I take confidentiality very seriously and although I'm talking about experiences from my working life, I'm taking great pains to make sure that I anonymise the stories 
and talk in more general terms so that I keep confidentiality of my women I currently care for and have cared for in the past very safe. Many thanks for listening.